Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. George Harrison, Sister Louise, elder Sister Louise, uh, very sadly died, I think, last week. And it reminded me, and indeed you, of that extraordinary story about the time that George... Because he was the first Beatle, wasn't he, to go to America. He was. They all had a break in uh, September 1963. I think Paul and Ringo went to Greece, and I think uh, John and Cynthia went to Paris. And George decided to go via New York, actually, which was been very exciting, to Benton, Illinois, to see his sister. And it's just an amazing story, really. Who, who had emigrated, hadn't she? She'd emigrated. She'd emigrated. She'd she, had, she had a couple of kids, I think, and lived out there. And, um, you know, he was absolutely... So he, he bought a Booker T album and, and a Bobby Bland album when he was in New York, and he got to Benton, Illinois. And, of course... He was huge in England. I mean, you know, this is post She Loves You, this is Beatlemania, this is September the 16th, he went out there in 1963. And his sister very sweetly embarked on this campaign to try and get him publicity, didn't she? Mm. At one point, I think the two of them hitchhiked down to the local radio station with a copy of uh, of the first album, which he'd, he'd mailed out to her, and uh, got him... Um, an interview on the station with with a mate of hers, I think, who was who was seventeen, called Marcia Schaefer, and uh, who had a, a show called Saturday Session, and uh, and thus became the first person to interview George Harrison on American radio, and played from me to you, and she loves you, and uh, which apparently made very little um, impression, and she still has the copy of She Loves You that he he gave her in a, in a in a safe deposit box at the bank. And, uh, you know, everywhere he went, and on this, he talked about being an apprentice electrician who was in a band called The Beatles who were doing quite well. <laughs> and then, and then she, she arranges an interview with The Echo. And uh, it's a girl who's another friend, Marilyn Lewis, who's another friend of hers, I think from school, actually. It was so sweet. And so he does this little, uh, this little press interview. And she says, Mr. Harrison is from Liverpool, England. He likes smallish blondes, driving, television, sleeping, Chet Atkins, uh, Egg and Chips, Eartha Kitt, and Alfred Hitchcock movies. Very good. And he thinks American music is great and the people around here are very friendly. What do you like most about America's weather? And, uh, and it's just an He bought a Rickenbacker at one point in a local store, which he had sprayed black so it matched jo- uh, John's. And then finally, she gets him a gig at a place called the Boneyard Bokeh Ball Club in Benton, where he was introduced as the Elvis of England. And uh, a band called the Four Vests, bizarrely, and they were a kind of country rock and really band. And he came on and played Roll Over Beethoven and Johnny Be Good, Matchbox, Your Cheating Heart. And, uh, you know, and then, and then went back to, to England, wrote this very sweet letter to her saying how wonderful it was that, you know, he was treated as just him and not a member of the Beatles, you know. And then, of course, February, they're on the, the Ed Sullivan. Yeah. And it all goes absolutely mental. And her house is in Benton is, is inundated with, with fan mail and letters and interest, you know. 
and uh, a house, in fact, eventually that uh, she turned, of course, into a B and B called a Hard Day's Night. Yeah, so she made quite a lot of. <laughs> yeah, which he, he wasn't too pleased about that, was he? I don't think he was. Well, I mean, their relationship—we don't know much about it, but they seem to have been very estranged in the end. I mean, it's it's slightly sad. I mean, he paid her mm. a two thousand dollar kind of pension or something. That's what you would say. He just paid her two thousand dollars every every month, and then when he died, that was discontinued. So there's so there, there been some falling out, I think. But it is a sweet story, I think. Yeah, I love the I love the detail. Um, you know, because it, it brings home to you. This is nineteen sixty three. Uh, you know, just what kind of exotic and uh, prosperous place America seemed to be to anybody in England. Uh, and, you know, that he could go there and you could buy these records and you could you could buy the guitar, which you couldn't. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. really hard to buy in the UK. And uh, I think also he, um, he went to a drive-in movie. He did. You, know, you can't imagine how exciting going to a drive-in movie would be. And I think he went to a, some kind of Coke bar or something, didn't he, where they had ro- ro- girls on roller skates, I think so. Yeah, 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 girl, yeah. waitresses on roller Waitress skates. On roller skates. And also he went, because he went with a friend, didn't he? He didn't go yeah. with, did he go with Neil Aspinall? I can't remember. No, he, he didn't. Somebody. Yeah. And uh, anyway, and they had a barbecue, and he went and bought... T-bone steaks That's right. on the barbecue. And T-bone steaks in Britain in 1963. I don't know. I don't know if, if Yogi Bear was around in 1963. <laughs> but it was the kind of, you know, delicacy that you can only imagine in a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. You know yeah. what I mean? A, a T-bone yeah. steak. It's like a hot dog or a hamburger. You know, yeah. those things were unbelievably yeah, exotic. About a month's meat ration on, on, uh, on one meal. Yes, um, and I think it's an extraordinary story to think, and I'm, I'm sort of amazed nobody's made a movie of it, actually. I think it's a Netflix <laughs> movie in making, actually. Yes. I really do. Everything yeah, about I, it I, maybe you can't do that because, you know, it's, um, because the whole, the, the whole premise is that here's this person who ought to be immensely famous, not being famous. It's like, it's like having a you know a movie where the Queen is not recognised by anybody. Yeah, completely. But also uh, in back then, I mean, the, that that kind of information didn't travel at all, did it? Unless you were in the media or on the west or east coast, you wouldn't know anything about them. Why would you know in in the middle of America that there was something called the Beatles going on? In, in, no, in no, Britain? you certainly you, you certainly wouldn't. Certainly you wouldn't, wouldn't know. No, and but I, I love this idea somehow that 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 they're asking him about his haircut and about his clothes and things. And they're saying to him, you know, what do you do? And he says, well, I'm an apprentice electrician, implying that, you know, this may not last, so I've got other work that I might, uh, might do. But uh, but also, yeah, I'm in a band called The Beatles. Even that seems extraordinary. I'm in a band called The Beatles, and we're doing quite well, he says. That's a good title for the film. I'm in a band called yeah. The Beatles, and we're doing quite, we're doing quite well. well. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So we're joined by Alex. Alex, I was in... Um, I was in town on Friday in London, yeah. in Swinging London. I don't know how the weather was with you, but it was gorgeous in Swinging London on Friday. It was lovely. Sun was, was I shown. on Friday? I was, oh gosh, I was somewhere, not in London. You would be somewhere. Somewhere, anyway, I imagine. Yeah. Northampton. Was, I was in Northampton. Uh, was it sunny in Northampton? Everything in about Northampton. Northampton was grim, including the weather. Oh, okay. All right. Well, in London, the sun was shining. And I happened to be making my way round Trafalgar Square. This is significant. Because we are all familiar with the dimensions of Trafalgar Square. Are it's we qu- not? It's quite big, is it it's not? Capacious. It's quite big. Some might even say it was, if you wanted to have a large gathering in London anywhere, Trafalgar Square would kind of be a good place to start. spot. Yeah. <laughs> You, you you might even have political demonstrations in there or whatever, you know. It might be a place where if you wanted to gather, you know, a few tens of thousands of people, you could do it because it's a huge, great open area, okay? I happen to be crossing the bottom of Whitehall, okay, as Whitehall enters Trafalgar Square from, from that end. And I was aware of the fact that I could hear music, Alex, Hmm. I'm looking accusingly at you as what, if you... It wasn't talking. me, Governor. It wasn't you. And so 
this music was being uh, performed by a solo singer with an acoustic guitar, such as who might be referred to in a, in a bygone era as a folk singer. Yes, okay. that's what we used to call people who went with acoustic guitars. But because of the amplification that this person had, he could play pretty much on the steps of the National Gallery, which right. is entirely the other end of the, of, the, of the square, and still be heard by me at the, at the top of Whitehall. See, I think that's fundamentally wrong. Don't I'm you? glad you agree. I Mark. mean, that is, that's, that is uh, intrusive. It really is. Because the whole thing about busking was that it used to be something whereby you were not an imposition. People were walking past you, and therefore, if they didn't like it, it didn't matter. You're on. Didn't matter. They'll passed you in a minute. They will have passed you within, and you're unamplified, obviously. <laughs> and therefore, within thirty seconds, they you would have fallen out of earshot. But I agree with you. It's completely and utterly dominating. It's also. Can I just one one, one point that I don't think is sufficiently uh, probably emphasised in these discussions? And Alex might be able to add something to this. The sound of an amplified acoustic singer-songwriter mm. from a hundred yards away is a really unpleasant noise. <laughs> you, see, you can't, you can't, you're just aware that it's going on. It, you don't, it doesn't have any of its musical qualities by the time it's got to you. It's mm. just this echoey intrusion is that not the case i don't think it is <clears throat> i don't think there's anything wrong with it actually at all i i i i think that the the whole kind of concept of busking has, has, has evolved and and got wider as 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 has the rest of music and i think it entirely depends on the singer and the musician doing the musicking you know um I can see why in a place like Trafalgar Square you might necessitate an amp because it's a big old spot and there are going to be loads of people who like what you do and you can therefore make a lot more money. On the tube it might, or a confined space, it might not be as necessary, but it does open the playing field a little bit. You're totally batting here for the person with the guitar. Yes. What about the people who don't want to hear somebody playing Wonderwall or an Ed Sheeran song. Do you know what I mean? Or losing my religion for the 15th time. What? They just don't want to hear that. Well, you know, they're, 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 these guys are taking 0.001% of London streets, so I think it's fair game. Well, I, well, I, I mean, course, they, of I course, don't course know Covent Garden, you, know? you go there, they're part of the entertainment. People go to Covent Garden to see the buskers, don't they? And to see the kind of living statues. Well, and, yeah, on the bit but in I mean, front of the church, yeah. I, yeah, but I, I mean, Trafalgar Square, I think, I think that's an imposition. I've, really I've, I've never been offended by a busker, and the reason is, I just think, good on you for getting out there and doing it and trying but to... But you see, but you, you, you're looking at it from the point of you yeah alex you are one of that tiny percentage of the population who gets up every morning thinking about one thing and one thing only when's the next gig yes. actually, actually it's normally it's coffee but <laughs> <laughs> it's then it's when when's the next gig you are looking at it completely from a supply side not yes? really because i mean you know i'm far past the stage where you know kind of thinking about gigging takes up my, my whole day you know i just i just appreciate grafters and uh, you know and i and I, I admire people who stick themselves nothing out wrong there. with grafting nothing wrong no, with grafters no, nothing wrong with we're not objecting that at all mm. at all we're saying i should not have to be aware <laughs> of the graft taking place 200 yards away because they've got amplification you, and the fact it? that they have if they didn't have amplification wouldn't the onus be far more on them to put on some kind of theatrical be a lot more graft there'd be uh, a lot more graft because you would be a great deal more graft. people nearby to come in a bit closer listen yes, and eventually give you that's some hard work so that's hard work and that's no, far greater skill it is it is you go and stand in front of you watch those you've people you've got to fight for their attention in front of those pe they, they're people who are in front of the access church in Covent Garden they are working like crazy yeah. and they are really good they yeah. have to be really good but, but, but somebody standing in front of the National Gallery, what you know, singing some meandering, whingy tune in the style of Ed Sheeran that they're very proud of that they just happen to, happen to have written 
Yeah, it's singing it at a volume that can be heard on Northumberland Avenue. Sorry, that's Dave, noise pollution. You've just raised another key point here. It's, it's also about the, the songs you play. Oh, I it is utterly wrong. I think it almost ought to be illegal to play songs that you wrote yourself that you that people don't know. <laughs> the whole point. I speak as a as an ex busker. 1971-1972, Me and my sister and me and my friend Huey used to go out and busk. And I know, I know how these things work. You've got to play the big hits. Of course, yeah. And uh, at, at, that, at that time, obviously, no amplification. It was all in the tubes. You didn't busk anywhere else. There were only four places that people really fought over. And they were the places in London that had the longest tunnels, and therefore yeah, you had yeah. the best acoustic and the biggest chance of playing for people for the longest period of time, which were, if I remember right, and there was a, well, one bit isn't the tube, actually. It's just an underground walkway under the roundabout at Marble Arch. It has a very long tunnel there. You played on the junction of that. That was the hot spot. And then there was then there was Green Park, the Piccadilly to Victoria crossover, and then there was the, the the bit at the bottom of the escalators, the Piccadilly Circus, and the one at King's Cross. Those were the places you queued up to get. And, and I remember that if you played certain things, if you played anything by Bob Dylan with a harmonica as well, if you played Hey Mr. Tambourine Man or whatever, that sound of a guitar and a harmonica worked. That just immediately telegraphed something that was familiar. But if you didn't play um, you know, American Pie or Waterloo Sunset or Yesterday or whatever. You were dead. You were dead. You know, we used to try playing things. Like we used to play Keep On Trucking Mama by Hot Tuna, which is an old blind boy full of song. Didn't do well at all. We used to play What's the Use of Getting Sober When You Know You're Gonna, you're get, gonna drunk get Drunk Again by the Mighty Sparrow version. That didn't do very well. So, uh, yes. Yeah, well, I, I, I see, I do, I do understand your point, but I, I'm going to have to bat on the side of the musician again here. I, my, my, opinion is you know anybody who makes art and is brave enough to put it out there which, is, see, quite, okay. which is a scary okay. thing to do okay no this is i'm not gonna get out my pram here this is not art <laughs> this is not art, art. Of course this is. is just people who no. just they like playing the guitar oh, and so people make you a few quid it's yeah absolutely the problem is that I think these people are trying to launch their careers yes. through busking, which is a different thing. Instead of just playing the big hits, playing American Pie or whatever, they're actually playing their own stuff. They've got CDs to sell, and they think they're going to start a career by... by, every, by. Every, every fledgling musician is trying to, is feeling their way through the dark and trying to figure out what works. And, and this is but one way of doing it, you know. I mean... You know, speaking from my perspective, it took me, what, 10, 15 years before I actually started to be able to do music for a living. And I tried so many things that didn't work and that I would never do now. You know, every single, every single fledgling musician's the same. And, you know, right or wrong, you know, they're, they're, everybody's just trying to be able to do it for a living. That's, that's the end goal for all of them. Well, and, I know, I understand that. I understand you know, that uh, entirely, but, um, but it's the same thing applies with actors. Same thing applies with painters. Yeah, absolutely. Any yeah. creative endeavour, okay. I, th I think. Okay, everybody's but I, working towards the same end goal. Yeah, see, I don't. I don't think it's. I think. I think you've got to take the word creative out of this because it yeah. implies it's somehow sacred. It's not. Well, it's not it's, sacred, but it is. It, but they are creating stuff, you know. And oh, well, I, I, whether, I, whether it's valid or not, in I the eyes of, a, but that's I in the eyes a, of the beholder, isn't it? Because I think it's a moot point, really, with all this stuff. It's like you know, I can't are, help being on the side of creativity because I've no, been there and I've done that, and and no, I, no, I, I, I suppose I'm looking at this with maybe too much empathy. But I, ca I cannot. Not you think George Harrison? Let's go back. We were talking earlier about George Harrison. Do you think it was George Harrison was nineteen or whatever he was in the, in the early days of the Beatles, mm. and he, he, you know, he went to Benton, Illinois, and saw his sister or whatever? Do you think it, if any of you said to him, "Are you creative?" Do you think he would have said, it's "I'm a creative"? A different world then. I mean, it, it's why? It, what, it's, what was it's, it's, different it's about it? What was different about it? Because the whole, I think the whole psychology behind music has changed as, as the whole playing field's widened. I, I think it's a complete... No, no, what's changed is the way people look at it. It's, it's the way pe it's people's self-image is what's changed. And, you know, I think uh, creativity is a really interesting thing. You know, people often have said to me and Mark, you know, in the course of our careers, oh, you're so lucky to have creative jobs. I used to think, it's not creative at all. Was it creative as Mozart? <laughs> it's ingenious. It's you know, it calls for certain kinds of talents, but I, I, calling it creative implies that it's somehow kind of holy. 
No, and not 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 in I my head. I think it's also least. wound up with this idea of self-expression. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think George Harrison was in a group thinking I'm here expressing myself. I want to be in the Beatles because I want to, you know, I want to I want to broadcast the the you inner see, workings of my soul. That's something I, I do agree with. I think that the one thing that's changed is you used to get in music to 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 be able to pull Why girls do people in exciting get... dresses. Okay. These days, people, people... people get into music because they want to express themselves. And it's a completely different thing. No, no, Alex, yeah. Alex, 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 I fundamentally disagree here. They get into music for exactly the same reasons they always got into music. It's just they're not comfortable admitting it. No, because playing the guitar isn't sexy anymore. It's absolutely not. Oh. I don't think it is. I, I, I think, you know, the, 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 the era where... Is that a complaint, Alex? Yes, it is. God damn it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but it's, it's not. I don't know if I'm... The general consensus was if you hung a guitar around your neck, it was a powerful aphrodisiac. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. No the way I'm it afraid. It, that, that, those days are gone. Those <laughs> days are gone. Yeah. I don't believe that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bitter. <laughs> but look, fundamentally what we're arguing about here is whether or not buskers should be allowed to use amplification. And I think that's the big issue. I think they shouldn't. I think it's obtrusive. And not in open harder. spaces. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, uh, it's two against one, so I'm going to have to concede. The word podcast. Clearly, there is no plan. Okay, I've been playing with Chat GPT, which you've no doubt heard about. This is the <laughs> the deafening silence. Don't quiet, isn't it? <laughs> Go it's on. A, this is an AI thing. Artificial intelligence tool that you, you know, you start a conversation with it and it responds using what it knows. And so I've, uh, I asked it to write, to write the odd song in the style of, uh, of well-known artists. Yes. So I'm going to read you out the lyrics of a song I asked it to write. And we're going to guess who the artist is. Who the artist. Are you That's ready? That's very good. Yes, I do. Here so we what, go. Just, just, just because so what do you, you just give it the name. You don't give it any point. I say the... write a song in the style of da-da-da-da. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay. So here we go. Rolling down the avenue, a broken man with nothing to lose. Cigarette in my hand, a hat pulled down to hide the blues. I've got memories to spare, but they all lead me back to pain. And every time I try to sleep, the demons, they call out my name. I'm a drifter or a rolling stone, wandering this earth all alone. With a heart full of scars and a soul of gold, I'm singing this song just to say, stay bold. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to talk? Well, it, it sounds like it's an archetypal blues man. I thought at first it was Tom Waits. It is. Oh, it is. Okay, because you got the hat and the and the, and the cigarette or something. No, Tom <laughs> Waits. So prosaic and clunky for Tom Waits. That's hilarious. That's so funny. so. I then asked it to write a song uh, about uh, about the Beatles in the style of another of another act. Okay, yeah. I'm going to read you a bit of this. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of the Beatles. The band that changed the game. From Liverpool to London town, they left their mark. What a claim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Beatles are my gods. With melodies so sweet and pure, their music will live on and on. Okay. I've got <laughs> that one. I know who that is. Is it? Go on. Well, it's obvious. Go on. So, Aces. It is so obvious. It's so, so unbelievably clunky and crass. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, okay, I've got a song. Here we go. A song about London in the style of another act. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. London, London lights shining bright and bold, neon signs and stories untold. People hurry to and fro, lost in thoughts they never show. London town, oh, what a sight. With its history, an endless night. From the river to the sky, it's a city that will never die. It's a song about M- London, written in the style of... Well, I, I, first I thought Ralph Mutel, but it must be the Kings. No, it's Pejol Boys. Oh, right, of course. Hence the light and the sky and the night. And, oh, yeah, okay, that's very good. So, you know, um, it's been interesting to play play with it. I asked it to write, uh, to write a review... Uh, in in the style of David Hepworth. Go, oh, this is good. 
And he how says, does it, sorry, let me just, how does it work this out? It's, it's, well, it's absorbed it, it, some David Hepworth it, somewhere along the line. Well, I don't know. It hasn't really. It basically, it says, as a language model, I don't have personal opinions or preferences, but I can write a review in the style of David Hepworth, known for his insightful and witty critiques of music and pop culture. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but he it doesn't really provide anything there. But uh, but um, oh, what a it, shame! So you can't just say review, kind of you know, a well, X-ray Specs album from nineteen seventy eight <laughs> for sounds by David Epworth. No, well that'd be different. That'd be yeah. that'd be seeking a specific thing, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. because because what all these things do is kind of. Um, you know, scrape tons and tons of data and uh, and feed it into the background. You know, but yeah, it will. Yeah. You know, asked it to tell me Bob Dylan's best albums, and it says Bob Dylan has several critically acclaimed albums. Determining the best one is subjective and depends on personal taste. However, some of his most widely regarded albums include. All right, three, Mark. What are the three? That the, the, the machine has chosen. Okay. Yeah. The machine. Yeah. The machine that the AI has chosen. Well, I suppose that would be Highway 61. Correct. Uh, blonde on Blonde. Correct. And uh, it'd be Blood on the Tracks or something like that. Yeah, absolutely yeah. correct. <laughs> three out of three. Okay. three absolutely out of three. correct. Not necessarily his best records at all, but there we go. <laughs> but it's just that's the kind of common view. It is. Isn't it? It's you like know. it's the Sergeant Pepper view, isn't it? You know, that's the answer, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is, it's a really interesting thing because, um, yeah, I was listening to a very interesting New York Times podcast about this the other day on the, the people who specialize in, uh, in digital issues. And, uh, and they they were talking to an illustrator who had, uh, instigated legal action against, uh, a couple of these companies doing AI, um, over the idea that you could just say, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do me a drawing of the moon in the style of, you know, and, and she was one of the people. That, yeah. And because and basically it could scrape loads and loads of her work, which had appeared in newspapers and magazines and so forth, and could then reproduce illustrations roughly in her style. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she kind of took, took umbrage at this, you know. Uh, and, uh, and they were just, the discussion was saying, Basically, in the very near future, huge areas of, uh, you know, websites, newspapers, magazines, whatever, will be taken up with, uh, with material which is generated in this way. And they were kind of saying, and why not? And as part of me, part of me that really sympathized, I could, I could sympathize with the illustrator, but I could also sympathize with the people on the other side because, if you look at loads of the standard stuff that we used to do on magazines, you know, lots of it was just kind of, you could do it by rote. Yeah. You do it. If you had to turn out a news item about the fact that, you know, Susie and the Band Shoes are going on tour. <laughs> You'd already written it five <laughs> years ago. <laughs> she could do it. I mean, down the headline. Yeah. Couldn't yeah, it, yeah you know. Yeah. You know, a machine could perfectly effectively write most kind of football match previews that appear in the newspapers, couldn't it? You know, the, the Everton are playing Add more cliche here. Yes. Uh, yeah, perfectly easy, easy to do. And that, that loads and loads of, 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 um, 
a supposedly creative work is just kind of, it's just another thing, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. And it's very difficult to go to to uh, you know, to suggest that it's in any way precious, partly because there's just so much of it, you know, and uh, you know that. But but it's that that's traditionally the way our kind of copyright laws have worked in the past, hasn't it? You know, whereas when you've got machines who just turn out this stuff. You wonder whether that can continue to hold in the future, you know. No, but what would it impact might that have on the cartoon world? It's quite interesting, really. Oh, absolutely. Well, here's, not just here's the Here's the issue. Here's the issue, and here's the gag. Cartoons are nearly always about a recent event and a recent, I don't know, new kind of expression or some kind of change. It's two news stories married together, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, uh, you know, and, and, and one seen through the, through the eyes of the other. So, uh, yes, redundancy awaits all around. <laughs> this is a junction in the Word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. David Hepworth has a theory. <laughs> and that theory is, I think I'm right in saying, that there's broadly a division between the type of people who use Deliveroo and the type of people who don't. And it's a generation gap. Oh, is that okay. right? Well, yeah, definitely. Be I, mean, right, Dave? I think if you wanted to redraw the generation gap nowadays, you know, we all kind of listen to the same music, <laughs> use the same language and so forth. But if you use Deliveroo all the time, you're probably under the age of 40. I think that's what, uh, yep. that's what I'm saying. And, uh, and, and if you're over the age of 40, not only have you never used it, you wouldn't dream of using it. And you wouldn't dream of using it for trivial purposes. That's no, because you well, didn't one of your mem- extended family order pudding by delivery. They just felt like a dessert and they, I, and they ordered we, we a had the, cake or something. We had it. this discussion at, at our house when the kids were around and, you know, in-laws and husbands and wives and so forth. And somebody said that they'd ordered a brownie via Deliveroo. A, a brownie. A brownie. A brownie. How much that cost? And, and there was slowly, round the table, there was a confession. <laughs> yeah, everyone was like, oh, yeah, I've done that. And I was, wow. Oh, clearly I've done that. And my wife and I were like looking at that. What? What is going on? And anyway, I was talking to my next-door neighbour only yesterday. And his, their daughter had just had a baby. And, uh, and so they'd been down helping out at the house, you know. He was sorting out the garden and <laughs> his wife was in the kitchen or whatever. And, uh, and she said to him, shame there's no biscuits in the house. Having a cup of tea, just fancy the biscuits. Ten minutes later, ding dong, no. front doorbell goes, go to the door, there's a driver. With a packet of biscuits. Wow. And they said, did you do this? And the daughter, had, while nursing the child, had... So I've got to ask a question. How much did that cost? I don't know. I don't know. So I mean, the biscuit charge, the delivery charge, plus a tip for the driver, probably. I mean, you might as well have just gone to Tesco Express and got a packet of hobnobs. I mean, That's to, amazing. To me... Deliveroo is for savoury goods. If you want, you know, a, a dirty burger and some chips or something, you know, um, it, it's it's for a meal. But 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 your, your sweet sundries. I mean, there's there's a Sainsbury's local every seven meters in London, isn't there, or something like that. <laughs> well, I don't know if you if stuck at home with a small child, it may not be. You but know, it's to do with, with with getting used to the idea that whatever you want, you can <laughs> you have want- immediately. You know, see, we, we didn't grow up with that at all. And so, therefore, the way we look at food, old conscious like Dave and I, is we kind of plan ahead. We think, well, tonight's supper's going to be this, and then yes. tomorrow we'll have this for lunch. We well, might you know what, tomorrow's actually, supper as well. Something for Monday. Okay, so that's all right. It's all right. So you're not suddenly thinking, I wish I had sense. We don't make spontaneous decisions, do we, about food? We no, just- I'm kind of with you on that, actually. So I'm using Gusto at the moment, and this is like uh, a, a service where you pick the meals you want to make, and it just sends you all the ingredients you need, with along with cards with the recipes, and that's it. So I know exactly what I'm having on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for dinner, and uh, I can look forward to it. You know, I don't make I don't make spontaneous decisions unless I'm out regarding food. When I'm in, I like to know what I'm eating on any given day. So I'm kind of with you on that. But I, I think I'm quite rare in that regard as well, actually. Have you people- ever, Mark Ellen? Have you ever taken an Uber? Well, I haven't ordered it myself. 
but I have taken an Uber. You've so been I've in been one. through the entire experience. Um, because I'm Would you know how to do it if you had to do it? No, I wouldn't right now because I don't have the app as well. But I know what's involved. I know what's involved. I haven't actually ordered one myself, but I have been with somebody who got. And so once you get into the habit of doing that, then that's a hard habit to break, isn't it? Because the, the idea that you can get a cab is going to come almost immediately and you know where it is, you know the driver's name, you know what it's going to look like, and you know the registration number, you know, and it's efficient and it's really cheap. Why go back to taking a black cab? You wouldn't. Well, I haven't taken a black cab in years. Not so, in years, you know, no, nor um, But I've been in one Uber, and that was on the occasion of my son's wedding, on the way back, uh, and that's the only time. Now, that's over two years again. Um, I wouldn't know how to do it. But I'm aware of the fact that it's a language that, that everybody else speaks and I don't. And it's delivery is a bit like that, isn't it? Like, Do you think the, the 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 availability and the ease and the instancy of of all this stuff uh, kind of kind of dulls the enjoyment a little bit? Maybe. I don't know. Because if you know I've you can get pizza at any time of the day, whenever you like, and you can have it. You see, in half that would hour. never occur to me would never occur to me to want a, a pizza like that. I might fancy fish and chips, mm. you know, feel a similar kind of urgent need for fish and chips. But I'm very fortunate in that regard because fish and chip shop at the end of the road. And half the, so, half the fun of that is going out to the fish and chip it shop is. and watching it. Yeah, absolutely. Bit of fish. See, I, I think also it's to do with the fact that, that I, I'm of that kind of generation that doesn't like to buy things that they haven't seen. I like to buy. I, I thought you were going to say that I haven't shot. I haven't shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Ted Nugent. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, no. I just you know I, I, I feel like with clothes too. You buy them. You just you, you like to kind of see stuff, don't you? You, like to see you do. Kind of, you just do. And, and I feel the same about absolutely everything. Actually, if you're buying it blind, it might not work out. You know. But that's no. just where we are. Uh, I mean, the, oddly enough, the, thing, the things that I do like buying instantly are things like books, because it's when the thought is in my mind, I order it straight away. Well, you can't go wrong with a book. And it comes the following day. Yeah. Whereas buying a book in a bookshop, I'll go in a bookshop and I'll think, what do I want? And, you know, very often I have to really think. And so that's a different kind of... Yeah, completely. Um, and you know what you're yeah. going to get. Yeah, yeah. They're all the same. So, yeah, um, have you ever delivered a brownie? Because if your answer to that is yes, you're on the slippery slope to perdition. (laughs) (laughs) The Word Podcast, walking the digital dog since 2007. Here's the thing I noticed. I've started bookmarking odd tweets I I see that I think are um, interesting in the way that they're put. This is a tweet that came from Rough Trade Records this week. And can I read the tweet to you? Yeah, go okay. on. Celebrating Mark Lanigan's legacy, an artist whose far-reaching influence continues to resonate. We have kindly been asked, really curious, we have kindly been asked, we have kindly been asked by the Mark Lanigan estate to be the exclusive outlet for a set of previously unreleased live recordings. What does that say? That says we're selling a record. Yeah, we're selling a record. <laughs> we're and, selling uh, we're a feeling record. a bit embarrassed about the fact <laughs> that Mark Lanigan died not that long ago. So therefore this could be interpreted as a kind of as a rather kind of a shameful cashing in commercial exercise, but we are selling a record to people who probably really want it. So let's not worry about it. In the, to people who probably really want it, from people, i.e. his family, who probably like the revenue or whatever. Yeah, you know, everybody's they, happy. If you don't want to buy the record, don't buy it. What are we going to have this... This tone of piety around this stuff, you know. I know, we've been lucky enough. It's just, I, I, I tell you, another tweet I saw, actually, just sitting above it, and this is uh, from Gillian Anderson. The wonderful, I love Gillian Anderson, belongs to that select company of actresses, so I'll watch absolutely anything Gillian Anderson's in, because I adore her so much. Anyway, it says, I'm launching a major exploration of women and sex, And I want to hear from you. Help us to create a revolutionary book for now and for future generations 
by writing me a letter at dearjillian.com Bloomsbury Books. What does that really say, Mark? It says we're writing we're writing a bestseller yeah. about people's saucy reminiscences about yeah. sex. And, and, we, and we want you to do most of the work for us, <laughs> which you're not going to be paid, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely, because you'll have sent the letter, you know what I mean? I know. But it's, and, it's exactly the same with lots of people, media people, who, who often tweet things like, uh, hey, can anybody think of any examples? No, well, that's fair enough. I no, do that, I do no, that. No, no, that's fair enough. They, 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 they often say, say it's, it's for a word thing. thing. They say it's for a thing. thing. You say it's for a thing. That's, I don't fair mind. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and if, you, if you don't want to contribute, don't contribute. Absolutely. But... The thing that struck me about the Gillian Anderson thing, I was reading further about it, it says Gillian Anderson is curating a... Oh, my Lord. The word curating, what does that mean? just means giving your name to, selling your name to. But again, this is all to do with the fact that it's about sex, isn't it? So so that's where the embarrassment, that's where the self-consciousness creeps in. Don't you think? We're trying to dignify what is basically just a rip-roaring commercial product. And it's the kind of thing that would have been sold 20 years ago with under the name of Jackie Collins. Yeah. Whereas you can now, in 2023, sell it to a different load of people under the name of Gillian Anderson, because that's that's all legit, you know. And um, so, you know, it's kind of uh, marketing bullshit on Twitter is basically what it's it all is. about. And it's... Uh, it's fascinating to me that it's kind of, uh, you know, adopted a new tone. Other things I've, um, I've seen on Twitter. Have you noticed that, um, that Backstreets, the Bruce Springsteen, uh, fan magazine, which has been going since I don't know when, must be since the 1970s, has finally decided it's just stopping. It's, right. it's, it's just, yeah, I suppose this is in anticipation. Bruce Springsteen started, a tour, which is, I don't know, probably his final tour or whatever. I don't know. And so they're obviously decided that they're going to, you know, they're going to wind their thing down at the same time. But isn't it amazing that they've managed to keep it going that long? Incredible. It's fantastic. Yeah. You know, that's, well, what a weird time to stop when it's just about to go on a world tour. Well, no, well, that's probably they'll probably sell a load of copies of the other final issues or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, but that's 50, 50 years pretty much, for a kind of fan magazine. God, is that how long it's been going? Well, it's, it must be. It's as long as Bruce Springsteen, isn't it? It's 1973, 74, yeah, it is. It is. whatever. And uh, is the Beatles, the Beatles fan magazine, the Beatles book is not still going, is it? That was must going. have closed by now. I mean, there were lots of them. But there must, because what would you say? And also, every day, actually, there are a load of Beatles sites who put out stuff. I mean, there was a wonderful one just the other day that Mark Lewis and I think I sent you the picture that Mark Lewis posted. Of uh, oh God, the yes, last one of the last gigs at the Cavern. I've never seen a picture. Oh, like wonderful it. picture! Fantastic. Wonderful. McCartney's on the right hand side of the picture, singing, hitting some high note, and there in the kind of little alcove of the Cavern, and the one next to it, the little brick arch, are crouched. This, and there's not one what? single male person in the audience. Every single one of them is an adoring girl that's looking up at Paul McCartney. Fantastic the detail. It made me think you could you could try and reassemble those, as many of those people as you could and stage another photograph. It'd be amazing, really. I mean that was a long time ago though. It's a long time ago. It's a fantastic picture. Incredible picture. And it's just extraordinary. So if anyone's not seen it, go to Mark Lewison's Twitter uh, side and have a look at it. It's phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, and it, it can't be said too often the Beatles were made by girls. <laughs> just yeah. Was... Doesn't matter who's running the fan sites nowadays, yeah. they were made entirely by girls. Through whose eyes Brian Epstein tended to see the Beatles, actually, to some extent. So he could really see their appeal, couldn't he? Really understand it. The Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink and it's like being in the pub. Ladies and gentlemen, one of our longest, most loyal and staunchest supporters, the great Keith Adsley. And it's his birthday. Keith, thank you for joining us. Happy birthday. Is it today? It is today, isn't it's, it? Yes, it is today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, David. Yes. And what's the plan? Well, the plan plan is, um, uh, Alec will appreciate this, uh, there's the St Albans Vegan Market on today. So we're going to trundle into town, buy some nice vegan food, and uh, spend the rest of the day eating that. And uh, I will have my favourite, my favourite dinner uh, tonight, which will be sausage, mash and onions and vegan gravy. 
I won't, right. I won't ask how you got that through the regulations. <laughs> what kind of sausage? Uh, vegan sausage. Vegan there you sausage. go. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, he's talking to Keith. He's like talking to Yogi Bear. Do you remember Yogi Bear used to, used to when the Rangers say he couldn't eat the picnic baskets? Yeah. Go off and eat nuts and berries. You go, nuts and berries, yuck. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't forget, you've got to call it a picnic. A picnic. A picnic. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, Keith, what have you got uh, an agenda item for us uh, I've got agenda. on this day? So, so obviously, um, rock bands are very much like sports teams. Each person has their different role. Each person, <coughs> um, excuse me, uh, specialises in a different area but they all band together, obviously, to make a great sound or to get a great result. And I thought of that this week when I saw the new team photo of the E Street Band. It's an uh, amazing or, picture, isn't it? Or, it's a really good picture. And obviously, that's just the core E Street Band. Now they've included, <coughs> excuse me, um, Susie Terrell, who's been the violinist for a long time, and Charlie Giordano, who took over on um, organ from um, the late, great Danny Federici. But that's also not without the backing singers and the horn section. And I suddenly thought <coughs> similarities between that and a, and a football lineup team. So what I've done... Yeah, because there are 11 of them in that picture, I think. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. So what I've done, I've done rock stars as a football team. Now, I've done a men's team. Yeah. I'm going to do, do a ladies team in due course. I just thought about a men's team. So I put different rock stars as what I think their appropriate position would be and appertaining to how they are musically so um i've got one to eleven so we're far away so in goal uh, a big shot stopper lr peter schmeichel i've got mick fleetwood okay <laughs> right so yes so, good solid unflashy drummer absolutely so um fullbacks i've got bass players so fullbacks i've got bass players so one side i've got gary talent from the e street band you know, almost anonymous, but quietly does his job, moving up and down, perfect. On the other side, on the other wing, I've got uh, slightly more adventurous and slightly more dependable, but also slightly more exotic. I've got the great Norman Watroy. Right. So he's, yes. He's the other bass player, the other side. So what I see is that the case that this fullback, the second fullback, makes slightly more incursions into the into the opposing area. Correct. Okay. Correct. One is right. solid defence, and the other Where, one is one's a wing back, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. A bit right. more wing back. So Norman um, could be found up in the up in the up in the box, couldn't he? Yeah, right. Absolutely. He could be. So uh, next one, I've got I've gone for a midfielder number four. I've gone for a kind of uh, marauding. Uh, no nonsense, um, Roy Keane, uh, uh, Graham Souness type midfielder. I've gone for Steve Van Zant. No, right, no okay. nonsense, scowling right. about the midfield, looking ominous. Gets uh, sent off occasionally. Yes, so I've gone for that. Now for uh, centre backs, I've gone for two centre backs that are both physically quite large, commanding but respected, and obviously can kind of um, dominate their area. So I've gone for Dave Grohl and Stormzy. Right. Okay. okay. Fine. Okay, yep. so I've gone Fine. That works. I've tried to spread it about. Now, wingers, I've gone for wingers. I've both gone for <coughs> smaller, wiry, older guitarists that can that can bring out the licks like a mazy dribble. <laughs> so on one side, I've got Albert Lee. Right, oh, very good. <laughs> on the other side, um, and of course, this is good because he wouldn't need to worry about borrowing kit because he can bring his own shorts. I've got Angus Young of ACDC. I, pati <laughs> I particularly like uh, I like Albert Lee because Albert Lee actually looks like a Scottish footballer from the seventies. From the seventies, he, 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 he really hair. does look like you can imagine him playing no. for Forest in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of person you look at years later and think he could never play football yeah. nowadays. Black but in those for days, he could have turned. Yeah. No, yeah. No, I mean, footballs in the 70s look so different. I mean, absolutely. Remember, well, remember um, Ralph Coates, you know. Oh, certainly do. <laughs> I mean, the comb over be, to end all comb overs. You couldn't imagine anybody that, that doesn't look less like a football Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, uh, number eight, I've gone for a calm Franz Beckenbar like character who can, uh, who can calmly splay long balls about the pitch, Nick Lowe. 
Right. Okay. okay. That's good. You know, calm, yeah. measured. Yeah. Uh, now, Strategic, thoughtful. That's it. Now, centre forward, I've got someone who's always moving, never stops moving, running around, absolutely nightmare to man, Mark, Mick Jagger. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Mick Jagger. <laughs> um, and then the next one that we haven't done is number 10. So number 10, I've gone for a, like an enigmatic entertainer. So somebody like uh, Stan Bowles or Frank Worthington or, or Matt Letizia yeah, that, yeah. Is, that, can, that can entertain. So there's only one person, and that's Ray Cooper. Ray oh, Cooper. Right. I love Ray. all your, I love all the reference points actually, Keith. You know, uh, Rodney Marsh and uh, Stan Bolt. So, you know, one for the kids there. There's very good work. Very good work. So and I'm sure it go on, carry on. Uh, no, no, so a, a couple of other just referencing back to Springsteen earlier. It was very interesting to see that his tour started on the first of February. Well, that also coincided um, with another tour that started on the 1st of February. So it's interesting to see that the two entertainers who have the longest set times both started their tours on the 1st of February. Bruce Springsteen in Florida and Danny Baker in Somerset. Uh, right, I thought it was in Ken Dodd. No, well, well, yes, but uh, obviously... Uh, the the contemporary Baker equivalent. Is, uh, ...is no longer with us. No, no, Absolutely. Well, that's very good work, Keith. Very good work, and I'm sure uh, other people can no doubt come up with their own uh, their own personal elevens to compete. Yes, no, I thought that. Now, now, Alex did mention about a uh, uh, to perhaps point you in the direction of a record you may not have heard. Of. Oh yeah, yeah, go, go on. on, go on. So what? I've, so what I've done? So this guy I discovered uh, a few years ago. Um, he's he's half of a group called the Black Pumas, which is a kind of psychedelic soul group. Uh, I think um, maybe from Texas, uh, a guy called Adrian Quasada. Now, that is his latest solo album. Right. Jaguar yeah. Sound. Jaguar Sound. Or Jaguar, as they it, would say in America. Jaguar. Well, the only way to describe it is it's a, I would describe it as a uh, cinematic, psychedelic uh, Latin fusion. So right. if you think of slightly Latin jazzy, but done in a psychedelic way, uh, but, but very cinematic, it's almost as if it could be a, a movie soundtrack to something coming out of a uh, uh, Tex-Mex area. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's uh, instrumental, but it's fantastic. So um, Adri Adrian Casado. Adrian Casado, Q-U-E-S-A-D-A. What's the time like of a, day that best suits this record um, or night? I think, well, I, I, I listen to it when I'm in the gym sometimes. That's always in the morning. I think maybe early evening, maybe 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 early early to mid-evening, maybe just have it on in the background. Yeah, really. Just really. have it on before a gunfight, Mark. That's probably the best. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Perfect. I mean, the land croissada always thinks like it should be a dish, shouldn't it? You know, would you yeah. like a chicken croissada? Yeah, like absolutely. <laughs> the taking is off. Croissada. Yeah. Well, that's excellent work, Keith. Um, thank you very much for joining us on your birthday. It's it, it's 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 my pleasure as always, guys. And uh, and have a lovely day. Have a fantastic day. Lovely to see you. We will do, and we'll see you next week on the quiz. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.